One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis and they have a look back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, we have a bit of a twist. We have the second half of a conversation that we started with Christine Warfield, who was the VP of Partnerships for Churchill Downs, the home of the Kentucky Derby. And today on the podcast, we have Bill O'Connor, who was the other side of that recent partnership between Jackson Family Wines and Churchill Downs. Bill is the Jackson Family Wines Executive Vice President and Chief Sales Officer. And on the show today, we talk about that historic deal, that historic sponsorship for those two organizations, how it came about. But before we get into this, you have to understand Jackson Family Wines. They're based in Sonoma County in the heart of California's wine country. It's one of the few family-owned and operated winery groups of its kind. They were founded in 1983 with a focus on artisanal wines with distinct character and quality. And their portfolio includes wines that you do know, like Kendall Jackson, La Crema, Fremark Abbey, Murphy Good, Stone Street. And the list goes on and on. They span not only the U.S., but other countries in the northern and southern hemisphere around the world with their wineries and wine business. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bill O'Connor. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Alan. 
Well, this should be a fun conversation. We get to talk about wine. We get to talk a little bit about horse racing. Was this always your dream job to be the you know head of sales for Jackson Family Wines? <laughs> Funny you ask that. I grew up in San Francisco, and there were uh, nine male members of the O'Connor family, from my grandfather down to my dad and brothers and uncles, and um, they were all San Francisco police, and uh, that's kind of where I thought my career was going. I gave it a run for about a year when I got out of college, and uh, was not for me, so I uh, snuck out of the proverbial uh, family business. And I've been here at Jackson Family Wines ever since. Were you in sales when you started or did you find your way there? I'm just curious. I was young. I was 25 years old when I started here and I uh, did it the right way. I started at the bottom. So I, I had the opportunity to learn about the industry from basically the ground up. With a family full of police officers and yourself, <laughs> are you the odd man out? Like, are you the life of the party? A little bit of both? I'm the popular guy at uh, Thanksgiving <laughs> and Christmas. And it, it took us a lot of years to go from uh, Coors Light to wine. But uh, we started that transition probably about 10 years ago. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You, dr- you, you, drink, you bring the drink, so to speak. So. That is correct. Let's talk a little about the partnership that led us to have this conversation, which is Kendall Jackson and La Crema's partnership with Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby. Can you tell me a little bit about the deal that you guys struck? Absolutely. It's a a four-year partnership, and we'll see where that takes us. And, uh, you know, starting with this year, uh, the 147th running of the Derby and um, La Crema and Kendall Jackson wines will be highlighted. They'll be, we're officially the preferred wine of the Derby. And uh, it's going to be highlighted in a variety of ways. Kentucky Derby at home parties uh, with wine and food pairings. We've got all kinds of Derby Week uh, activations, both locally in Louisville and uh, throughout the United States. And we were even able to uh, mix in a text to win sweepstakes. So a lot of of exciting stuff to go with it. And I believe it's a a four-year partnership. So this is the first year of the four-year deal. Is that right? That is correct. I know there's a connection to racing, but I'd love for you to tell me and listeners about the connection between the Jackson family and the racing industry in general. You know, it's pretty interesting. They're two completely separate businesses. And, you know, the Jackson, Banky, and Hartford families were privately held, American-owned company run by a couple families. And a lot of America, they're not really uh, self-promoters. So it, it took a long time, but, you know, a fair amount of the people around the country know about our our storied legacy in winemaking that runs pretty deep over the last 40 plus years. You know, and many wine enthusiasts across the the country recognize Kendall Jackson as, you know, the maker of, you know, America's favorite Chardonnay for 30 plus years running. And also La Crema as really one of the the first pioneering wineries um, in the Russian River Valley along the Sonoma coast. But Lesser known is the family's endeavors in the elite horse racing world. Back in 2005, uh, our founder, Jess Jackson, and his wife, Barbara Banky, they established um, Stone Street Farm. 
on premium farmland and, you know, famous bluegrass hills of Lexington, Kentucky. And um, since then, as I alluded to, we, we keep the two businesses separate. And this has really been our first opportunity to bring things together between a fabulously successful wine side and uh, the equally as successful um, horse racing side. I love the the story and I, my understanding from reading about the family as well as this, uh, both of their passions, if you will, the, the wine making business and horse racing. It seems to be that they're individuals that have turned twice over now passions into successful businesses. Do I have that right? I mean, it, I wish I was that lucky, frankly. <laughs> me, me and you both, man. Um, I tell you, Jess started the wine business after his legal career was kind of wrapping up after he was 50 years old. And you look at Barbara, Barbara is in a very, very rare class of her own. I, I think the stat's something like, you know, 4% of wineries that are, are women owned. Uh, across America. And then you look at and you say in, in horse racing, that number's probably a lot less than 4%. And, you know, the wines speak for themselves. I mean, we have over 40 wineries that span, you know, whether it's Napa Valley, Sonoma, Mendocino, Oregon, Italy, France, all the way to the horse side. They're, they're not only in the horse thoroughbred business, but the breeding and, and the, the past champions they've had are names like Curlin, who was two-time horse of the year, uh, Rachel, Alexandra, uh, most recently, uh, My Miss Aurelia, Good Magic came in second in the Kentucky Derby a couple years ago. Barbara's got uh, two horses this year in the Kentucky Oaks. So it, it's amazing to see what a couple of really just down-to-earth, unassuming, hardworking people can accomplish. Well, and you, you talked about Barbara and, you know, she's at the top of these organizations now. And to your point, in a very rare class, like what is she like as a, as somebody to work for and work beside? Absolutely fantastic to work for firm, but fair, I'd like to put it and is always there and, and does things quietly. Most of us even here at our company aren't aware of the many philanthropic causes that she partakes in. And she never does it for publicity, never just does it very, very quietly. And normally we find out about it after the fact. And as a business person, hard charger, a go-getter, you know, what one of those serial entrepreneurs that is, you know, constantly looking to improve and, and improve not only our business, but also looking into, you know, other areas. And, you know, I'd, I'd say between, you know, 40 wineries and a 200 horse uh, stable out in Lexington, Kentucky, she's got her hands full and still is widely accessible. I mean, you know, during this past year of COVID, our office building is, is pretty empty, but the one constant is Barbara's here just about every day. It's phenomenal. I mean, it, if you just reflect on the success that they've had, I mean, in the, in the winery business, you know, 40 different wineries. I think most people, when you hear Kendall Jackson, you hear La Crema, you don't think about 
the scale of all the other wines that you're offering as well, like really top tier wines. And thank you for letting me sample one or two of them. (laughs) (laughs) They're amazing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the wineries like, um, there's three wineries in particular, Cardinal, Verite, and La Coya. Uh, those wines are considered collector item wineries. Two are, two are Napa, one's over here in Sonoma. And those wines can sell anywhere from $500 to $1,000 plus a bottle. Um, the great you know, wine critic Robert Parker had scored all of those wines over 100 points in, in different vintages. And the great thing about Barbara is those are all you know, big, you know, heavy red wines. You know, her goal is to our white wine winemakers is let's go get 100 points on one of our white wines next. And the stable... Uh, so to speak, of the wines, fantastic, you know, ranging from what you got to try the Fremark Abbey over in Napa Valley to the Hartford out here in the Russian River Valley. Just an unbelievable stable of wines. You've definitely got like something for everyone, I think. And I don't know if that's what you're going for, but like you, you've got a nice graduation too from price points. Absolutely. Everything. That's why, I mean, in California, we have our own distributor. And what we do is the reason we did that and we didn't go with the the big, you know, so to speak, conglomerate distributors was Barbara and Jess identified 25 years ago. These wines are real. They have real stories, real winemakers, real oak barrels, and they needed real storytellers. So they needed people that understood the wines, you know, really were interested in wine, we're passionate about wine to go out to tell the point of difference in our wines versus, you know, what you'd see in a lot of wine today, which is, you know, wineries that are owned by publicly traded liquor companies, of which quite a few of them aren't even American owned. So it, it's it's really hard to run a wine company at our scale unless you, you do it the right way. So you've got this like natural uh, horse racing passion in the business, separate business around winemaking. You bring those together in this amazing partnership with Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby. How did that partnership come about? It's funny. I, um, I'm friends with a few of the folks out at Stone Street, and they came to me and just kind of asked me if I would do them a favor and talk to the folks from from Churchill Downs. Historically, Kendall Jackson and La Crema have not spent a lot of money on TV ads or billboards or things along those nature. I mean, we we always say our wine speaks for itself, you know, and, and we put most of our effort. You know, you we have a great marketing team, but we put most of our effort into the 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 product itself. And, you know, we haven't done a lot, if any, partnerships like this ever in the past. So, you know, when the folks from Stone Street called me, I was, you know, I was pretty honest with them. And I said, the odds of this are about one in a million. But, you know, as a courtesy, I'll, I'll talk to the folks out there. And I said that to the, in, in our very first call with the people out from uh, Louisville. And, one call to the next, to the next. And, you know, we went from one in a million to one in 500,000, a thousand to one to, we made it happen. And, and one thing I would say is the, the people at Churchill Downs are wonderful partners. We're, we're, you know, three months into this 
And right off the bat, they made us feel welcome. And uh, it's, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to these next four years. I know when this podcast releases, uh, I'll have also released uh, one with Kristen, who's the head of partnerships at Churchill Downs. And so we talk a little bit about her approach to partnerships. But I'm, I'm curious, like in these conversations and how you started to think about the partnership and bringing, and bringing all the pieces together, how did that unfold, if, if you will, just a little bit more? Like what was the approach that you guys took? Teamwork, collaboration, brainstorming. And it's funny with Kristen, we didn't bring her in until near the end. And I would consider Kristen the top partner of mine right now over there. And we did it though, where a lot of times people play off their titles and their, their roles. And, you know, I need to speak to the boss and I'm not even in marketing. I'm, I'm our chief sales officer. So (laughs) from my end, we, we start out with people that could make it happen. And we just got a small group together from their end and then from our end. And we had a couple calls and we brainstormed. What about this? What about that? Could that work? Could this work? Um, hey, could we, could we do both KJ and La Crema? You know, and, and we didn't limit it to just one or two of their folks. You know, by the end, before we finally agreed, you know, the last call was I, I kept bringing people in slowly. You know, so it started with, with, you know, two of us and then the four and then the six and then the eight. And then the last couple calls we had, there must have been 12 people on the call. And we just constantly kept refining the idea over and over and over again until it felt right for them and, and right for us. A joint planning, so to speak. And it's absolutely best. 100%. I mean, you're, you're starting this, um, you know, in it's 2021, we are still, we're coming out of the, the pandemic. It's a little uncertain, right? Like, I mean, it's going to be a little bit lower attendance this year at the, at the Derby because of social distancing and things like that. But how are you thinking about this partnership and extending its reach, you know, this year, but also in, in future years going forward? We love the fact that we're calling this our practice year. <laughs> I love that. You know, n- normally you go to the Derby and there's 150,000 people there on Friday and 150,000 people on Saturday. What we're pulling off this year, I, I believe there's going to be 30 to 40,000 folks both days. And I mean, we're, we're activating in a big way, you know, all the way from we're, we're bringing La Crema Winery to Louisville, Kentucky. So we have a uh, pop-up winery that's coming uh, fully stocked with some of our best wines, as well as our winemakers themselves. You know, we, we didn't want someone from a catering company pouring wine in our pop-up. So we're like, if we're going to bring this, let, let's do it right. Let's make it real. And what better event? You know, America wants to have fun. America wants to get out. And, you know, and that's, that's kind of how we looked at it. I, I know I think quite a few of their other sponsors that have been around for years might have looked at this year as maybe a little bit of a a chance to take a pause or a break. We looked at it as, let's go all in. If there are normally five activation sites on on track, but this year there's 20, let's, let's activate all 20. We have uh, seven master sommeliers that work for us. We're bringing a few of those folks out to pour wine in, in different areas of the track. 
We're even having a party at here locally in Sonoma County at Kendall Jackson Winery the day of the event. And, and we foresee us doing that for the next four years and making that, that event better and better. Uh, Kroger is a great partner of ours nationally. They're also a partner of Churchill Downs. So we were able to get some uh, POS and we're doing a text to win uh, sweepstakes nationally. Uh, we're doing all kinds of stay-at-home party planning with our uh, e-commerce team. We're doing a uh, you know wine.com event uh, along with two of the other sponsors, Woodford Reserve and Mum. Um, on the Thursday before the event. And then, um, you know, we're also looking at even the, the tie-in with women in wine and women in horses. As, as I said earlier, you know, it's a very, very small percentage of total. So we're, we're looking at some possibilities with NBC along that line as well. And then most importantly, my friend Kristen, you know, after I, you know, wrote down all my crazy ideas on a piece of paper, she said, you forgot one thing. And I said, what's that? And she said, refinement, because we're going to make it better in year two and better in year three and better in year four. And uh, so we have a box for refinement as well, because, you know, not everything's going to go great. You're, you're going to learn by trial and error. And sometimes you learn the, the good ideas. You know, they, they just need a little refinement to make them great. Well, it sounds like a, a one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You, you got the stage for a great event, great activations, both at the track, locally, regionally, nationally, um, or online with, with all the stay-at-home parties uh, and the wine.com work as well. I know you're only in the first year, but you're hitting on all cylinders right now. <laughs> go big or go home, man. You know, that's that's what it is. And and like I said, the, the opportunity for us to do this with 35,000 people versus 150,000 is a lot better for that trial and error. And, you know, I mean, I've, I'm out there and I mean, it, it takes you two hours just to get into the track normally from three miles away. So, you know, this year with a little less crowded and a little more protocols in place, we'll, we'll be able to really see what's going to work for, for next year and the out years. I love all the things that you're doing. It's amazing. And, you know, the, the tie into both sides of the business or, you know, the two different businesses, I guess, that are under Barbara. Um, it's amazing what you guys are up to. I'm curious, you know, have you gone through this process? You've planned, you know, all these activations and, and you know, and it's a new partership for you guys, a, a, a long running one at that. 
any advice that you'd give other executives kind of focused on either identifying or negotiating partnership deals that, you know, aha moments that you've had along the way? You know, one thing about making a good partnership, I think, is Kristen from Churchill early on, I, I felt a really, really wonderful sense of she was rooting for us to win. And, and she wants us to feel good about it. And that really is when, when I negotiate, a, a lot of times my negotiations are with either distributors or customers. And customers always want the lowest price and distributors want the highest margin. So you, you kind of know going in that you want everybody to win, but it, it's hard to have people feel good about, you know, when, when you're negotiating with price or, or margin. When it comes to partners, y- you have to feel that sense of pride in what they're doing and they're interested in what you're doing and they're not afraid to give you advice. And you also have to be open to listening. And the, the one thing I'd say is I've learned even beyond this this deal here is people that like and go by the ethos of no matter what department you're in about, people that live on the chain of command or things need to be done this way or that way, that doesn't work anymore. you know. And, and it, it never worked earlier in my career. And what I've seen more than ever is if you take the arrogance out and the ego out and how smart you are, how smart you think you are, and you're willing to learn from others and work with others, no matter what your title may be, you'll learn a lot, you know, and, and, and on this partnership and others, I mean, we had executive assistants, we had marketers and PR, we had finance, we had sales, we had members of, of the, the Jackson and Hartford family. I mean, we all hopped in and if, if we all had ideas and listened, we found out we could really get a lot of greatness in, into this. So that, that would be kind of a long-winded answer on that. It is amazing how much you can learn when you when you when you're using your ears versus your mouth. <laughs> exactly. This has been phenomenal just to talk about racing, uh, wine. Let's switch gears a little bit. I, I I love to get to know the person behind the microphone that comes on. And my favorite question to ask people that come on the show is: Has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Wow, that's that's a big one. I think I probably kind of what I alluded to earlier about where I started my career here. And it, it's a way that really allows me to connect with our young employees today. I, I take a very active role in our, our recruiting of employees here at our company. And I think what really defines me is I started out here at the bottom. Couldn't have you know, I guess I, they call them cellar rats. So that's that's uh, the people that work in the wineries that are cleaning up first thing in the morning. I was a grocery store rat. So I was out building grocery displays at three o'clock in the morning for the first year of my career here. And I mean, those are thankless hours. I mean, you're up at three, you're working till four or five in the afternoon, you're doing paperwork. And then I, I went and my reward for that was I got promoted to go call on restaurants. And that is a very, very difficult task as well. 
you know, everybody's trying to get their wine into restaurants and you go in and, you know, the owner, they, they kind of move you around. Oh, yeah, go talk to this person and that person. And at least on the grocery side, you'd have instant gratification of maybe putting up a big 40 or 50 case grocery display restaurants, you know, after you sell them on buying your product, they might buy six bottles, you know, and then you have to get them to pay for it. And, you know, I did that for a few years and then I moved out to Colorado and took kind of a mid-level sales role. Then we moved to, moved up to Seattle for a couple years. Then I came back here in the early 2000s to Sonoma County and um, we were in a glut of grapes at the time. And I took on a really, really difficult position. And today, here I am 25 years later, and you know, you meet somebody that's new or you meet, you know, and they're like, hey, how, how did you get here? And a lot of times, oh, this must be the owner's son or this must be the owner's nephew or this must be, you know, somebody that did this or did that or they kissed their way up to the top, whatever. And it's like when you can tell them the story of, oh, you know, you know what? I, I did your job. Yeah, I, I did it for a year and then I did that one and I did the other one. So really for me, that's, that's probably the most defining moment I have. It's a great walk down your career too. And, and the build from, from the, uh, what do you call it? Grocery rat? <laughs> the grocery store rat. Yeah. And it's just, it gives you a chance to really, you know, not only understand the business from the bottom up, but everyone thinks the wine industry is really, really glamorous. And besides being ultra competitive, it is fun. But the first, you know, everybody, the first four, five, six, seven, eight years of your career the jobs, whether you're, you know, want to become a winemaker or a marketer or salesperson, it's it's not glamorous in the beginning. Trust me on that one. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, and I, I never did it for for wine, but um, I did I did work the grocery shelves, like you're talking about, more on the potato chip aisle, restocking those shelves uh, on the weekends was one of my first jobs out of school. So it's funny been there putting those displays together. <laughs> what what advice would you give your younger self if you were starting all over again? Every year at our uh, global, you know, sales meeting, I get up and I always put up a little chart because if you're going to be in sales, you have to obviously have confidence not not only in the product that you're you're selling, you got to believe in it, but you have to have confidence as a person. And I, I always put up, I call it the double C, double A. And it's, it's kind of like a moving chart. And I talk about, well, you know, it's really, really important that you have confidence. If you don't have confidence, you should not even be in sales. So go, go find another line of work. And then right near confidence, you, you have the next C and that is cocky. And you see it in great athletes. You see it in Steph Curry. You see it in Serena Williams. You got to be a little cocky. And I explain to people, you know, the, the line between confident and cocky, that's all right. You know what? There's a fine balance. You could call it a tightrope. And then right over there, you get in the first day when, when you graduate from cocky and that's arrogant. And, and now you're stepping into, you know, what I would say is an area where who wants to be around? Who wants to buy something or associate with arrogant people? And the last A 
would, I'll, I'll give you half of it, would be the word ass, right. you know? <laughs> and, and you kind of go from confident to cocky to arrogant to ass pretty quick. And, you know, early in my career, I hovered around, you know, in between that confident, cocky, sometime in the arrogance role as, you know, you settle in when, when you get a little bit more mature and older. And, you know, you always have to have the confidence. And, and if you don't, there's no sense in, in being in this in sales, certainly not in the wine industry either. Right. But it, it's really, really something you want to straddle and be aware of. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that advice, when I give it to people for the first time, you, you kind of see them, you know, kind of look in and, it, and it's kind of a thought provoker of, you mm-hmm. know, confident and, and, you know, I, I do it sometimes with athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where, you know, you, you put Steph Curry and, uh, yeah. Serena and that confident to cocky line. And I, I wind up with, you know, maybe Connor McGregor. I, on the arrogance line, you <laughs> right. know, and, and you can kind of take it from there. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I love that, that spectrum because it makes it easy to think about like, where am I right now? You know, like, or evaluate yourself from time to time. Absolutely. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, kind of silly question for you, but I kind of like where it goes uh, from time to time. It, curious if there's an impactful purchase that you've made of a hundred bucks or less in the last six to 12 months. All right. I'll give you two quick ones. Self-serving one. We just uh, released this beautiful La Crema Sauvignon Blanc for the first time. You could go buy yourself a six pack of that for about a hundred bucks. On a personal note, I've got a woodpecker that has nested himself right outside my bedroom window. And every morning at 5.30, he's out there letting me know he's awake. And uh, I had someone come out and look at it, and they were going to put in the wiring and the high fen, the sim, blah, 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 blah. And it's going to cost $2,000. I went to a little hardware store the other day at the advice of a friend, and I bought a fake wooden owl and uh, for $20. And that has fixed the problem. The woodpecker's gone. He's afraid of the owl. So uh, that would probably be the best, best $20 I've spent in quite some time. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that is amazing. It's so funny, like the small hacks, you know, that are out there if you just know about them. Two more questions. And I know you're you're coming at this from a sales perspective, but usually I'm talking to marketers, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. If you've got brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of. I would say from a cause standpoint, I, it, it's something I'm, I'm nowhere, I was going to say I'm nowhere near an expert. I'm nowhere even near, I'd say, competent at, at this topic. But I think climate change is, is something that we all really need to pay close attention to. You know, the Barbara Banky's daughter, Julia Jackson, a couple years ago told me, Hammer, step away from the family business for a few years, and I'm really going to go focus on climate change. And she created a company called Grounded and has gone head in 100% to this cause. And she's really trying to connect people about this topic. And if, you know, if we don't do something soon without our environment and without this beautiful earth we live on, we're we're not going to be here. Um, And our grandkids and our great grandkids are going to have a lot bigger problem than we have today. Living here in Sonoma County and growing up in the 
the Bay Area my whole life. Uh, these wildfires that we've had now three of the last four years, that, that's not normal. And you, you can't say, oh, it's a one in every 50 year occurrence. It's, it's not. So for me personally, I, I think climate change and you know sustainability and, and all of those things, they, everything's important. And, and there's a lot of areas and topics I'm interested in, but that would probably be first and foremost at, at the center for me. It's hugely important. And it's infecting us in ways that may not be completely uh, transparent today. They're not. Yeah, you're right. Last question for you, again, more on the marketing front, so apologies in advance, but curious what you think uh, either the largest opportunity or threat to marketers is today. You know, I kind of hit on that a little earlier. Over the last year, you know, as uh, our company, as well as many, many other companies, whether you're in our space or consumer goods or in another space, you know, people are going a hundred different ways. And we're, we're a relatively small company. I mean, we're, we're just under a billion dollars in, in sales on the wine side, but still, you know, fairly large, lar- large enough to be the ninth, you know, largest wine company in the U.S. And what I would tell you would be, as we went into COVID, we, we all kind of huddled up together as a team and we said, some companies are going to come out of this stronger, some are going to come out weaker, and some won't survive. So what I was missing there was the word status quo. No, nobody's going to come out of this the same. You're, you're either going to come out stronger or, or weaker or go away. And those of us that put our egos aside, and said, hey, man, pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID, look at it that way. Pre-COVID, we, we might have made decisions that maybe a little more conservative, maybe a little more on the status quo side, bureaucracy side. Hey, during COVID, let's go do something. Let, let's go create. Let's go brainstorm. And then post-COVID, let's come back then and we'll, we'll reassess and refine what what we just did and you know we'll we'll probably have some wins we'll have some losses but we're we're not just going to be stagnant we're we're not going to you know be paralyzed by fear or paralyzed by making a decision and what i would tell you is those people that had the big egos that thought they were the smartest person and they you know and they were refused to listen to others and they had to do it their way those people are no longer with our company the people that really dug in and stayed after hours and said, hey, yeah, you know, I, I'm done with my day job, but hey, yeah, let's sit down, brainstorm, let, let's innovate. And we, we created this innovation team. And, you know, in the last year, we delivered wine into the NBA bubble. So think about that. How, did you, how would you even think about getting wine into the bubble to where the NBA player, we had, we had wine delivered to the bubble week one. We followed that up with a partnership with the United Way, and we created a Kendall Jackson Grocery Workers Relief Fund. We followed that up with this Kentucky Derby sponsorship for La Crema and KJ. And then most recently, you you may not have seen about it yet, or you may have seen about it, but it's got 3 billion media impressions. Jimmy Fallon talked about it the other night on his TV show. We created the um, program for Murphy Good Winery called Do You Want a Really Good Job? And it's a $10,000 a month guaranteed job with 
a house in Healdsburg for a year paid for, a year supply of wine, no strings attached. And all you have to do is tell us, what do you want to do in the wine industry? You, you want to be a winemaker? Do you want to work in direct to consumer? Do you want to be in sales? Do you want to be in marketing? Do you want to be a lawyer? We have lawyers. So give us a 60 second video. And early in August, we're going to pick, uh, we've already been flooded with 10,000 applicants. And, you know, we'll pick the final 10 or 15. We're going to fly them out here for three days interviews, put them on our, out in our vineyards. And, you know, so we did all of those things with a small little group of people that just said, you know what, no ego, no arrogance, no expertise. Let's just all work together. We'll throw a hundred things at the wall and we'll see what sticks. And all of those stuck. And th that would kind of be my you know, one, one thing for a marketer, if you really think you're the smartest person in the room, you, you're really not. <laughs> well, I mean, all the things you just rattled off in a good year, those would be amazing. But like the fact that you did them in the height of a pandemic um, and you're coming out of this thing like shooting everywhere. I mean, like it, it's you are the definition of not status quo. So <laughs> you're correct. We're on fire and we feel good about it. And, and we definitely, when you come full circle back to, Hey, how did we come out of this? We're, we're going to come out of this a lot better than what we were. Bill, it's been fascinating to talk to you and the advice and tips and examples have been great. Thank you for coming on the show. Alan, thank you for having me. And, um, when you run out of wine, let me know. We'll, we'll refill that, uh, that wine, wine cellar of yours. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. 